Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you to bless this time as we look at your word and, and we share your word. Help us to really see what it is you want us to see and understand. And we just thank in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Now let's read 13 because we need the context. In which you also trusted after that you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That's what, that's what we're going to talk about today. The Holy Spirit. Um, and hopefully I'll keep this one short. This is actually the second half of what I planned to teach last week and didn't get to. <laughs> the earnest of our salvation, of our inheritance. Now the Holy Spirit is the earnest. And if you know what earnest means, if, if you've ever wanted to buy an expensive item but you weren't ready right that moment, you would give them what's called earnest money and it's money that says I promise to come back <laughs> and complete this purchase okay and depending on how much you're how much how big the item the will be the amount of the earnest the Holy Spirit is the earnest of the rest of our promises and you want to think about that I was thinking about what is it what is it that we have with the Holy Spirit if he's the earnest he's a payment he's the down payment of all that's coming. And we think of all that's coming. Heaven. <laughs> you know, have you ever really thought about an eternity with God in heaven? You know, I've thought about that on occasions. You know, we, we sing, I can only imagine the song, we can only imagine what it will be like to be before God. And I've heard people go, well, I can't imagine if heaven is just being worshiping God for eternity. Well, you know what? Some of the best experiences I've had have been worshiping God. <laughs> in having him fill at that time. If that, if that was eternity, it wouldn't bother me. Now, if you've never experienced it, it might, the idea might bother you. But if you've been in a place where you've gotten really into the worship time with God and you're singing, you're praising, your eyes are on him, you're listening. You know, for me, it sometimes often happens with a sermon. You know, I'm getting into God and getting into the sermon and all of a sudden it's over and I'm going, you just started, why are you over? And I realize an hour or 40 minutes, you know, because I listen to the ones on the internet a lot of time, which are the full sermons, not the cut up ones for, for messages. And I'm going, you've only been preaching for a few minutes. What, what are you done for? And I look at the clock and <laughs> a lot of time has gone by. And the Holy Spirit is that earnest. What is it that we get with the Holy Spirit? You know, the, the earnest of down payment. He's, our, you know, he's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. We are a purchased possession of God. And the cost of that possession is, we've talked many times about, the cost to purchase us is an amazing cost. Jesus gave his life, pre-planned that he would give his life for us. And we think about that, and we've, and we've talked about that. He gave his life. He took the beating that we deserved. He took the punishment that we deserved. But most importantly, the pain that he took was when he was on the cross and he became sin on the cross, the father turned his back on his son. A fellowship that had been perfect for all of eternity was broken. And we think, you know, when we think about it, we think, oh, the beating was the bad part, the, the, the nails were the bad part. I think the worst part for him is when he called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
It's the first time in all of eternity he was separated from the Father. And he did that willingly to buy us back from sin. And I've said it often, I'm going, I don't even, we can't comprehend what that, what that meant to him. The best we can probably think of is, you know, the person that we loved the most and, it, and it, that broke up. Or somebody who's been in a long-term marriage that they love each other so much and then they, one dies and the heartbreak on it. And that's not even a, a barely touching what Jesus and the Father went through. And that pain was to both of them, both the Father and Jesus. You know, all we talk about is Jesus, but the Father had to turn him back on himself. I hardly can fathom this. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, number one, I would never have done it. <laughs> I would have never created man knowing the, the price it would cost to, to pay for that, and yet God did. And, he didn't, and Adam and Eve did not surprise him by sinning. <laughs> you know, he knew they were going to do it, and he knew that Jesus was going to have to pay that price. He's also not surprised when we sin. You know, and he's not surprised if anything that we think is bad happens to us. Because he already knew it was going to happen. And he knows it's for our good. And the quote that I heard many, uh, many years ago is, God's perfect will is what we would choose if we knew everything he knew. <laughs> you know, we may look at it and say, boy, this is a terrible thing going on in my life. But if we knew everything about what God knows about two months down the road, three months down the road, three decades down the road, we're going to go, oh, this was a good thing. You know, we may not understand it at the time. And, and I've been there myself, you know, saying to God, God, I know everything's supposed to work out together for good, but uh, are you sure that this is for good? You know, and I know that just the frustration at the time, I know that he knows that it's for good, and I know that it's for good. But I'm just like everybody else. When you're in the middle of it and it doesn't look good, you're going to say... How? How can this be for good? And oftentimes, if you look at your life, you see later on down the road, you see how it was for good. And maybe you won't see it until you get to heaven and God shows us from the spiritual side of things why it was good. But the good news is a lot of you that you go through, it'll show you this is, why, this is why you went through this, if you think about it. When you're ministering to somebody who's gone through something similar, when you, when you get ready to go through a harder problem, <laughs> down the road that if you tried to take that hard problem without the first step, the hard problem would have killed you without that previous step. And you say, oh, that's why I went through that. It was to prepare me for this new craziness. <laughs> Which, bad news, that just prepares you for the next hard step down the road. <laughs> yeah. But God is still there. God is still there and he's checking out your trust. But what is it that we get when we get the Holy Spirit? In Romans 8 9, we're told that God, the Holy Spirit, will cause us to walk in his righteousness. He helps us to walk correctly. Yeah. Have you ever been in a place where you've heard some, some just gentle nudging in your spirit, in your, in your thoughts, do this or don't do this? And if you've disobeyed it, you know what the results were, <laughs> that I shouldn't have done, I, I should have obeyed what I heard. The idea of, as we pack shoeboxes, you know, God will tell us what to put in there. Now, we may never know that what it was <laughs> was the right thing, unless we happen to get some story or the letter returned or some, something of that nature. But have you ever been in a place where you know you're supposed to talk to somebody? You're in line in the, in the grocery store. Yeah, and, I, and I'm really good about it. If you ever follow me in a line, don't, don't get me in the line that I'm in because it will be the slowest line <laughs> in the whole place. 
Uh, always, you know, unless I go to the self-serve, but if I'm in a line with a cashier, it'll be the slowest line in the place. <laughs> but you know what? It's giving me opportunities to share the gospel with people at the same time. You know, because I'm stuck there, I might as well talk to the people in line. They're kind of a captive audience unless they want to switch lines, which they probably don't. <laughs> but you know, do you take those chances to talk to people about Jesus? You know, we're the church, and not just because we're in this building that we call the church, but we, the people, are the church. We leave, we're the church of chloride going out of these doors and being the church where we go. And we need to share Christ with people. And we've, we've gone over the gospel. The gospel is a really hard message. It takes a really long time. You're a sinner. <laughs> you deserve punishment. <laughs> Jesus died for your sins. <laughs> Do you want to accept that gift? You know, 30 seconds, you can give the gospel to anybody. <laughs> now, it may take a little more to convince them they're a sinner or that they deserve punishment, but the gospel is a message that you can give out a thousand times a day without even taking any time to do it. How many people do we share the gospel with? When you're in that line, gospel's pretty easy to do. Uh, I, know, I know this guy that used to go shopping for the men's breakfast at College Park. And he'd go shopping on the Friday, and while he was at the store, it, it, he didn't, if I went shopping, it would take me about 15 to 20 minutes to get done. It took him three hours. And it wasn't because it took him that long to find the stuff he wanted. It was every man he saw, <laughs> he invited to the, to the, to the, the breakfast and, and gave him the gospel. And <laughs> you know, How many people have you shared the gospel with in this last week, in the last month? The gospel message is simple, and that's our job as Christians. God leaves us in this world to share the gospel. Because <laughs> if he didn't need the gospel shared by us, we'd get saved, we'd go home. <laughs> now, I don't know how anybody could get saved at the if we didn't get stuck here to be the gospel, but that would be God's problem. But if he didn't need us, it would be get saved, go home. <laughs> but he uses us. And he uses us to share the gospel. He uses us to be the light that draws people to him. And the Holy Spirit is going to be that voice that hears us. In John 14, 17, it says that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We get saved, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Not only does he dwell in us, Jesus dwells in us, and the Father dwells in us. We're told that the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in the Lord, and he dwells in us. Do you realize that everything you do, you're bringing God into the middle of it? You know, that can be a scary thing sometimes for some of us. When you're doing good things, you're bringing God into it. When you're going off and committing sin, you're bringing God in the very midst of what you're committing. You know, Dale Tackett in, in The Truth Project said, you know, if we truly believe that God is omnipresent, then it would, should impact us the way we live. Most of us live like we don't believe that God is everywhere. Because you know, you'll hear somebody say, well, if my mom was here, I wouldn't do this. And yet they'll do it when God's there. You know, we want to be careful about this. Do we truly believe that God is with us everywhere in everything we do? Would it impact the way we live if we did? I think it would. And I'm as guilty as everybody else of forgetting and, and just going off and doing things and forgetting that God's in the middle of it. But the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. 
In First John 2:27, it says that He will teach us all things. The Holy Spirit is here to teach us. And I've shared many times, you know, my experience as a teenager when I, you know, my dad was in the Navy. We went to a different uh, church every couple of years because we got stationed to a new part of the country or world every couple of years. And we didn't always go to the same denomination. So I got exposed to a whole bunch of different denominations and what they thought. And, and oftentimes I'd get confused. I'm going, God, uh, this, each denomination says this verse means something else. God, what does it mean? Or God, this pastor said something. It just didn't sound right. What does it mean? And the Holy Spirit would come along and he'd teach me what it meant. And I've shared with you the great news was when I finally went to Bible school and I learned how to study the scriptures and get into the Greek and the Hebrew, I found out something. The Holy Spirit knows what he's talking about when he teaches you. <laughs> you know, but now I could prove it. It wasn't just this is what I was taught. I could prove it. But I say that for one reason. When you're studying the Bible, when you're reading the Bible, pray and ask God to illuminate it. Because the Holy Spirit will teach you. And I, and I know most people don't believe me when I say this, but some of the greatest things that I've heard people tell me are from new Christians who read something in the Bible and they come up and they're all excited and they say, hey, look what I just read about it in the Bible. And you know, some of the greatest blessings I've had are from that new person who's had no training in the Bible, <laughs> nobody's taught them how to study, and they come in and they give you some of the greatest, deepest truths because the Holy Spirit taught them. Every one of us has the same Holy Spirit in us. Do you want to be taught the deep things of God? Ask him to show you. Literally ask him. And then be ready to share them because I've told you, you need to be sharing what God shares with you. Because if you don't, all it is is, a, is going to be death in the long run. The Dead Sea has got plenty of nutrition and everything pouring into it, but it's dead because it has no outlet. It doesn't get used. It gets lots of information, but it dies. When you're given something, share it with people. Share it with members of the church, because if you can't share it here, you're, you know, if you can't give a testimony or share it with people in the church, you're not going to share it with other people. Because if you can't feel safe talking to other Christians, you're definitely never going to talk to a lost person. But you know what? It's much easier to talk to the lost person out on the street. You talk to the person out on the street that you're never going to see again, what do you have to be worried about? You know, to me, street evangelism has probably been the easiest thing I've ever done because I go on and talk to somebody and it's like, really doesn't matter what I tell them because I'm never going to see them again. If I make them mad, I'm never going to see them again. A little harder talking to your family, is it? You make your family mad at you by something you say about the gospel. You've got to see them every day, every week, every month, <laughs> every holiday. It doesn't mean that we're not to, not to share the gospel with them, but, but you see what the difference on this? And yet I talk to more people and they say they're more afraid to talk to the stranger on the street than they are to their family. The problem is they're not talking to the people in the family either. So just want to encourage, the Holy Spirit's going to teach us. That's his job. He's to teach us. So when you open your Bible, we encourage everybody to read the Bible through every year and the, the schedules in the back. When you open your Bible to read, ask God to show you what it is that you're to learn from it. Ask him for it to illuminate. If you listen to some message that I preach or somebody on the radio preaches or some other pastor preaches and you hear something that doesn't make sense, say, God, I need to know the answer. Help me learn. He'll teach you. In reality, I'm, I'm not even needed around here. You guys don't learn everything I can teach you. You don't need me. I get the pleasure of teaching you. God's given me that job of teaching and, and teaching. 
But God can teach you everything you need to know if you get into the Word. I'm just here to help encourage people. Take you to the next step. Help you get to the next step. And that's the same for every pastor I've ever been under. And I've been under some very good pastors in my lifetime. Do I need them? In one sense, no. In another sense, absolutely I need them. Because a pastor will help you get, get, get moving. The pastor gets you somebody that you can ask a question to. Say, hey, I just didn't understand this. Or, or how would you answer this? And your teachers are, are good for that. And all of us need somebody that we go to. All of us need somebody that when we have a problem with a spiritual problem that we go to. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. It could be a friend who's been a Christian a lot longer and knows the word and you go to. But also, you need to be that to somebody else. <laughs> we all need to be teaching other people. Whether it's our children, our, our nieces, our nephews, a good friend. Because it's been said that if you really want to learn something, teach. You know, if you want to know and learn something, you teach people. And very important on that. <clears throat> and it is very true. You, know, you can't teach somebody without learning it. <laughs> you, know, you can't even explain it without learning, learning from it. But God is saying, who are you teaching? We're, we're to have teachers and we're to be teaching. And that, that, because I can guarantee you, no matter where you are with the Bible, you know more than somebody else. <laughs> You, know, you may not know as much as others, but there's always people who don't know what, what you know. Share it with them. Share what you know with those people. Maybe they'll outgrow you. That's possible. <laughs> but you start by teaching. And we need, to, we need to be teaching. We need to raise up a generation that's following us. It's been said that we're only one generation away from not having a church. If we don't do our job teaching the upcoming generation, they're not going to follow. And our world is actively pursuing to not get them to follow Christ. So we need to really work with the younger generation to counteract all the garbage that they're being taught and all the lies they're being taught. You know, Amy, Amy said in the Sunday school class something that I always say, and you know, if there's any lie in the Bible, then it's all worthless. If anything's not true in the Bible, the whole book is worthless and we should throw it away. And if we really believe that the Bible is true, we need to be ready to defend it to our younger generation who are being told that the Bible is full of lies and contradictions. It's just a bunch of myths and fairy tales. And we need to be ready to defend that with them. Yeah. And we sh I've shared with you, if anybody says that there's, there's all those contradictions in the Bible, your answer is, show me one. Have them show you one, because they're just repeat parroting what they've heard other people say. They can't show you one because they've never opened a book to look. You know, how many times have you ever heard, well, you Christians just follow that old, out-of-date book? <laughs> you know, when they say that, you know they've never opened the Bible. <laughs> because every sin that's going on today happened in the scriptures already and have been talked about. Everything that's going on today is in the Bible. So if they go, well, you follow that old, out-of-date book, that, you know, they've never opened the Bible. Challenge them. Have them show you one thing that's out of date. You know, get them to go into the book. Because if a true skeptic gets into the Bible, they're going to become a Christian. Now, if they're going in there with a mindset, I'm going to prove this, and I'm not going to accept anything that disagrees with what I am, nothing was going to get them anyway. But our greatest apologist of the Christian world 
usually went in going with the mindset of, I'm going to disprove this Christian thing. <laughs> and the more they study it, <laughs> the more they realize that it's absolutely true. We do not have to be on the defensive when it comes to, def to declaring the gospel and declaring the truth of the Bible. It will hold up. God can defend himself just fine. All we need to do is, is not give up. Share people. Challenge with them. <coughs> challenge with them. Zechariah 4.6 says that the Holy Spirit is our power. So is Acts 1.8. He's our power to do the things that he's teaching us. <laughs> to do the things that he's leading us to do. I don't know if you've experienced, but if you've ever been talking with somebody and sharing the gospel with them, and all of a sudden you realize it's not you talking, I hope you've had that experience. I've had it happen. You know, all of a sudden I'm talking, it was me talking, the next thing I know, the Holy Spirit is talking through, it's my voice, it's my, my thought patterns and everything, but it's not me talking. And you just, you sometimes you sit back and you start listening to yourself and saying, wow, the Holy Spirit is doing a good job here. When those things happen, it's the Holy Spirit taking over. You know, and I want to make sure we understand the Holy Spirit is a real person. He is a real part of the Trinity. And he dwells in us, and he is our power to live. You know, and sometimes, especially in Baptist churches, we kind of forget about the Holy Spirit a lot of times. You know, you know, the, in the old days, it was afraid that you might become charismatic. <laughs> you might get excited about God if you had the Holy Spirit. You know, and I have no problem with being excited. <laughs> I want us to be excited. I want us to know that we have power. The Holy Spirit is the same as he was back in the New Testament days. He's still doing miracles. People are still getting healed. Prophecy still happens. Things, people are being led to follow God and things still happen just as it did in the Old Testament, uh, in the first century church and just as it did in the Old Testament. God has not changed. He hasn't said, oh, the people are so scientific, I can't work. Now, there's a lot of people who think they're too scientific for God to work. But God still works. God is still working. Demons are still active. The Holy Spirit is still active. God is still active. Don't forget, if you want the power, ask for it. <laughs> he says, we have not because we don't ask. You want to be brave enough to go talk to people? Ask God for the, for the power and the strength and the bravery to go talk to people. Because I can tell you right now, we're, we've, we are entering into the end days, people. If you're not ready now, you're not going to stand for God when things get really dangerous. Now, here we are in America thinking we're persecuted because somebody makes fun of us. You know, well, you crazy Christians, you believe in that old book, you know. How can you believe in a God? And we think we're being persecuted. The rest of the world pays with their life. Oregon recently, they paid with their life for saying, yes, I'm a Christian. It's getting bad, even in America. We need to prepare our hearts now for the trials that are going to come. Because if you're not ready, you're not going to be ready when the time comes. I played lots of sports, and we practiced all week long to learn how to do one move in, the, in that week. You know, and you practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced until it became automatic. Firemen practice how to go into a fire and what to do in that fire so that when they're in the middle of the fire and can't see anything, they just do. <laughs> what they've learned to do. We as Christians need to learn to listen to God. And we need to learn to do it while it's easy. 
Because you're not going to learn to do something when it's hard if you've never done it before. If you haven't developed the skills of listening to Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit, when it gets hard, you're not going to be able to listen to him. Being able to get into the word. Memorize the word. We sang Psalm 19 today, and I hope, you're, I hope it's getting stuck in your brain and you actually have memorized part of it. You know, it's a wonderful way to memorize is to sing songs, you know, because it helps to memorize. But you know, we need the word of God. You know, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. Memorize it, believe it. I told you many times ago, if somebody's going through a hard time, I am not going to quote Romans 8.28 to them. Because they either believe Romans 8.28 before they're in it, or they don't believe it and they're not going to believe it when you tell it to them. For me, Romans 8.28 when I'm in a hard time is a great comfort. Because I believe it ahead of time. But I learned the hard way when I was younger. I, get, I quoted Romans 8.28 to somebody who was having a hard time that just about took my head off. And I learned very quickly that if they don't believe it, it's not a comfort. It's not going to comfort them if they don't believe it going in. And we'll say we believe the Bible and all the Bible, but you know, there's certain verses in the Bible that we don't necessarily believe completely, you know, because they challenge us. In Psalms it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saint, of the saints. Do you go into a funeral service thinking, praise God, this person went home? That's not usually what we think, is it? Is it what we should be thinking? If they're a Christian, absolutely. I come from a church that when they did a, what most churches call memorial services, they called them homegoing services. The person went home. Now, if the person's saved, we should be celebrating their death. Because I can guarantee you they're celebrating. They're not missing, they're probably not even missing any of us. They're with Jesus. <laughs> when I get to heaven, I can care tell you, as much as I love people in this, in this world, in this church, in my family, when I, go to, when I get into heaven, I'm not going to miss you. I'm sorry. I'm going to be enjoying Jesus. He'll have to remind me that friends are coming. <laughs> but, you know, the Spirit is our power. John 15, 26 and John 14, 26, he's our comforter. Have you experienced the comfort I love watching people get saved. You see all the pain, all the misery fall off of, their, off of them. And the peace and the joy of the Spirit taking over. I don't know how many people you've led to the Lord, but I've done, you know, many, many tens of, of them on my, you know, that I've had the privilege of watching them. Pray and ask Jesus into their, into their life, and all of a sudden, everything about them changes. The way they look, their face, the, the, just the way they carry themselves, and you say, God's entered this person. The Spirit is our comfort. Does it mean that we're never going to have sadness? No. But we're going to know that God is in control, and that he's in charge, and that he's going to keep us. And it's important for us. He's our comforter. And the last one I want to bring out is Romans 6, uh, excuse me, John 6, 63. He brings life. He brings life. And we're not talking about bios life. We're talking about Zoe life, the eternal life. And you know, the thing I bring out often is 
when you get saved, eternal life does not start the moment that you die physically. <laughs> eternal life starts the moment you ask Jesus into your heart, and he makes you a new creation and gives you life. At that point, you have eternal life. You are, you are technically never going to die. Your body will die and fall away, but your spirit will just transition from this area of life right into the, right into the presence of God. You have eternal life from the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It will never go away. It will never be taken away. If you are saved, you are saved. <laughs> now, does that mean you can't fall? No, you might, you might fall. You might even turn your back on God for a period of time, but there's still going to be that noise in the back of your head while you're turned away from God saying, who do you think you are? What are you doing? And, you may, and it may get very quiet after a while, but it's still there. If you can turn away from spiritual things and not be convicted and not, be, not hear God's word at all, then you better consider, did I ever truly get saved? Because did I become a new creation? Did I become alive? And I've seen so many people, I've been, been around churches for 44 years, and I've seen people in their 60s and 70s that have been in church all their life come to the conclusion of, I never knew God. I never knew Jesus. I know all the stories. I know about him. I've seen him working in other lives. But I never knew him. And again, the gospel. We are sinners. <laughs> Got to believe we're a sinner. Number two, we deserve punishment. That's the one that's hard for most people. <laughs> we deserve punishment. Because I, I talked to somebody one time and asked her to give her a testimony. She'd been in church all of her life. And I go, you know, when did you recognize that Jesus, that you were a sinner in need of the Savior? And she goes, I've always been better than everybody I know. And I'm going, oh. <laughs> but when did you recognize that you were a sinner? I've always been better than everybody I know. This poor woman in her 80s probably wasn't saved. Because she never acknowledged that she was a sinner. We need to understand, we are sinners. We deserve help. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we would get what we deserved. So we want to be able to be, be able to accept that and know that. And that's what we want to pray, press with the gospel on when we're talking to people. We're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to learn more about the Holy Spirit and, and what you would have us to do. We ask that you go with us this week as we serve you and, and help us to serve you in better and greater way. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.